Open your Bible to James chapter number 3. I'm going to teach this quickly this morning. James chapter number 3. James, the book of James. James chapter number 3. You know, in our life, it's more important than ever to control how we speak. If you can control your tongue, you can control your life. If you can control your tongue, you can control your world. You know, James is an interesting figure in our Bible. He's not just an apostle, but he's also Jesus' younger brother, which means James was around Jesus more than anybody, any of the other apostles, because he was with, the other apostles were with Jesus for about three years, and James had been around Jesus his whole life. He'd been around Mary, Jesus' mom, his whole life. So he knew probably more about Jesus than almost anybody else. So when you read the book of James, you have to read it through the lens of how a brother would listen. Uh, also, I would just say, I have two brothers. We have a phenomenal relationship. Uh, but that is not the norm when it comes to grown brothers and sisters. It's not always normal for one brother or one sister to highly honor the other brother and sister. That's a unique thing. So the fact that James was willing to honor his brother uh, like he honors Jesus, that's a very powerful thing. But the Bible's very clear that if we can monitor or control how our mouth operates, how our words speak, we can have a phenomenal impact on our own, on our own lives and the lives around us. So James chapter number 3 and verse 3 says this, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. My little girl loves to ride horses. She does horse shows and things like that. And you take a big old 1,100-pound animal and you put just a little piece of metal in that horse's mouth and all of a sudden you don't just control the horse's mouth but literally you can control the whole animal. Verse 4 says, Behold also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds Yet are they turned about with a very small helm or small rudder, uh, whithersoever, wherever the governor listeth, wherever the captain of the boat wants to go, the small rudder will turn the big ship. So James is saying you take a little piece of metal, put it in the right place, and you can control the whole horse. You take a little bitty uh, rudder, put it on a great big ship, and you can control the whole ship. In your life and in my life, we've got to get to the understanding that we have to, the power to control our entire life and our entire purpose with the use uh, of our mouth. Uh, the Bible continues on to say, Even so, the tongue, a little member, your mouth, your words, your speech, is a small part of your life and boasts great Things meaning it has great pretensions or it has great impact. It says, uh, 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 Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. In our terminology today, we would say it like this. Think of how big a fire you can start with a little old bitty fire. You remember a couple of years ago, over towards Bastrop and some of the areas even over here in Huntsville, we had these massive wildfires. Well, nobody came and, and carpet bombed the area and said let's start a big old fire with a big old fire no just a little old bitty fire got out of control and did you know the bible says that your mouth how you talk by the way we're in the middle of our summer of protein so what we've been talking about all summer long is some of the heavier points of the scripture and the new testament christian life 
So what we're talking about today is how you can control your mouth, which will control your entire life. So literally, the Bible says that your, your words are like a little fire. And if you don't have control over that little fire, that little fire is going to get out of control. How many of you know somebody that it doesn't matter uh, where they are or who they're in front of, their mouth is completely unfettered? If you don't know somebody like that, uh, odds are you're that person. Just kidding. But so many times in our life, uh, we get to a place where we don't realize how much control we've given up. You know, when, you're, when, you're, when you have a fire going, you don't recognize the problem immediately. You don't recognize the large problem immediately. No, it starts as a small thing. It starts as a small ember that lands in the right place at the right time. And then it just gets completely out of control. I won't read it for the sake of time. But James goes on to say, Can an olive tree, excuse me, can a grapevine give olives? Can a fig tree give olives? Can you go to a water well and receive fresh water and salt water from the same well? He says, absolutely not. He said, he said, you either are going in this direction or you are going in that direction. Your mouth is either speaking blessings or your mouth either has curses, whether intentional or unintentional, has curses coming out of it. If you take a glass of fresh water and a glass of salt water and pour them both into a bowl, that fresh water does not turn the salt water fresh. The salt water turns the fresh water salty. So in your life and in my life, we have to understand, God did not come down when you got saved, grab you by the top of your head and by the chin of your face and say, now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak for you every single time you open your mouth. He's not like that guy uh, that, that does the ventriloquy on, on, on TV. It's real funny and he's always got the little, well, anyway, I'm not even going to get to that. But anyhow, he's got the little guy that's talking. You know, God's not a ventriloquist. He's not up there telling you what to say all the time. And listen, if, if you're telling people that, shame on you. It's not God all the time. Sometimes it's you talking. Matter of fact, the exception is God talking through you. Just because somebody said something to you and they said they're a Christian, that doesn't mean you have to live your whole life by it. No, that, that's, that's called abuse of authority. That's called abuse of power. If it doesn't line up with that Bible, I don't care who said it to you. You follow God's Word and you follow peace and that's what you follow. That doesn't mean God won't give you a word in due season that will come from somebody. Uh, matter of fact, one of the reasons that the gifts of the Spirit are under such attack is because they have so much power. For instance, America, we went to war with a guy named Saddam Hussein uh, in Iraq. And who's to say if we should have been there or not? I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But the reality was is we believed he had weapons that were so powerful that we could not let them have act. We could not let him keep those things because of his history. He could literally destroy lifestyles and people and all. That's what we believed about it because those weapons are so strong. Well, that's why uh, the devil is constantly attacking the gifts of the Spirit because they are so strong and so powerful. If they're used in the right way, it wrecks his whole kingdom. That's why we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you had a bad experience with somebody prophesying to you or you heard somebody speaking in tongues and in in just a, you know, I don't know, picture this, okay? This never happened. Picture, say you're walking at Target. I shouldn't say Target. Some people don't shop at Target anymore. I mean, there's a lot going on with Target. Say you're shopping at, where's the place? Hobby Lobby. Okay, everybody loves Hobby Lobby. 
So say you're shopping at Hobby Lobby and you're sitting there and, and, and you're checking stuff a little beep and, and Hobby Lobby's always got these sales going on. It's like two for half off, but he, but he, and it's going through and they're going through and they're, they're ringing you up at, at Hobby Lobby and the lady says that'll be $55.22 and you just decide that you're going to speak in tongues for five minutes before you get your wallet out of your pocket. Can I just say to you, odds are you just flipped everybody out in Hobby Lobby. Matter of fact, if you keep that up, they might bring you some shiny bracelets that you wear behind your back and you might get a ride home. But the gifts of the Spirit are so powerful, you just got to know when to use them. You don't want to do things out of order. Now listen, if, if a burning bush or an angel tells you to speak in tongues at Hobby Lobby, I'm not the one who's going to argue with that. I'm just telling you, there's an order to these things. And the reason the devil doesn't like the gifts of the Spirit is because they're so powerful. They are weapons of mass destruction in the Spirit. That's why at this church, New Heights Church, we're going to flow in the prophetic. We're going to flow in the anointing. We're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to see them recover in the name of Jesus. We're going to experience it. Well, I don't understand it all. Well, bless God. Ask God like Solomon did for understanding. See if He won't give it to you. You know, it's, here's how a church should be. Every church should not only be comfortable for Christians. And every church should not only be comfortable for unsaved people. No, there's got to be a tension there where we're not uh, becoming a social club of Christianity where nobody's getting born again because we're so far off the map nobody can relate to us. Nor can we be so milk toast, uh, uh, sop milk Weak backbone preaching. Don't ever say anything that's controversial. Don't ever give the Holy Spirit an opportunity. We can't be so weak in the spiritual side that unsaved people are all comfortable. No, I got a big problem if somebody can walk into your church five times and not be convicted of sin at least four of those times. But that doesn't mean that we're just going to have our, our very own, uh, we're just going to, okay, uh, everybody come in here and we're just going to flow in the Holy Ghost five days a week, five hours. Listen, no, you're not going to get anybody saved like that. And if you do, it will only be the grace of God, not the wisdom of God that's found in His Bible. So you've got to have this, this tension where, where we're, not, we're not so concerned about ourselves that we've decided we don't care about what unsaved people will feel like, but at the same time, we're not so uh, uh, disconcerned or unconcerned about the Holy Spirit that we only care about what people think. No, it's a pull. It's a tension. It's like this old guitar over here. You know, you, you pick these guitars up. Every, every musician just got nervous because <laughs> the guitar is like a best friend, isn't it? Just killing time. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing here too much. But, but, but the thing about a guitar is these, these strings, they're, they're locked in on one side. And that's like you and me. We're tied to the Lord. We're held on to Him. We're not letting go of Him. We're anchored in faith. You know that song, The Anchor Holds. Though the ship is battered. Ooh, I feel country when I put a guitar in my hand. 
But then you got this other side. And I'm not going to twist it because he, he may fall out in the spirit. <laughs> but these things here, what you do is you, you twist them around and it establishes the tension on this thing. So you've got one that's anchored. You hear that? Then you've got another that's constantly being adjusted. Say, I'm being adjusted. And when you get adjusted, then you sound better. But if you, if you, if you don't have the right adjustment, if you, if you don't have the right adjustment, you're going to sound... But you've got to be adjusted properly because the right tension produces the right sound. And the right sound is attractive. And when you can produce the right sound, and when you can have the right attraction... Now you can begin to be effective for God. So our church, New Heights Church, from now until Jesus comes back, we're not just going to be concerned and interested. We're not just going to be concerned and consumed with the idea of making sure that we're comfortable all the time. No, a lot of you, you're not even going to be able to have your own seat anymore. We're going to have so many people coming in. I might not have, there's been times here, I don't even have my own seat. I walk in, I'm like, well, bless God, I'll just go stand somewhere else. No, it's going to be a lot different. But what's happening is, is there's this tension that's coming where we're going to make sure that we're honoring the Holy Spirit, that if the Holy Spirit ever wants to take our plan, we'll take our beautiful plan, we'll wad it up in a nice ball, and we will throw it out the window, and we will say, have your way, O God. But we're not just going to roll in and act like we're not interested in the lost and the people that have no idea. No, the Apostle Paul said uh, in 1 Corinthians, he said it like this. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Tongues is probably one of the most uh, dissecting spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He said, but I wish you would prophesy. He said, because if you'll prophesy... He said, if you'll prophesy somebody's heart, like with a word of knowledge, then, then their heart is laid bare and they will realize that God is with you. But if you're just, everybody's just speaking in tongues, and this is what happened, everybody was just speaking in tongues, the preacher would just get up and he would just speak in tongues for an hour and that would be the sermon. And the Bible said it like this, it said, now that, that man's spirit is edified, is built up, is recharged, is re, re, reinvigorated. He said, but nobody else, the understanding, people's mind, it's not, it doesn't help them at all. He said, so I would rather you speak uh, five words in the understanding than thousands of words in the Spirit whenever you're talking like this. Now, it's kind of the opposite, uh, according to Jude. Uh, whenever you're by yourself, the Bible says you pray and you stir yourself, you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. My prayer life. Uh, uh, my prayer life is, is consumed by praying in the Spirit. That doesn't mean that I don't pray in the understanding. It just means that praying in the Holy Spirit will allow you to pray out the perfect will of God, the Bible says. It says that you will be allowed, that, that, you will, that you will literally, when you pray in the Spirit, that you give God praise well. It says you'll pray out mysteries that you don't know if you'll pray in the Holy Spirit. So it's a very powerful thing. But as the church grows, as ours is doing, we can't be so concerned about one facet of our life and not concerned about the other facet. The book of James also says that God is patient for the fruit of the earth. The reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because He's patient for more people to get born again. 
Because the only people it's good news for when Jesus comes back is people that know Him already. People that do not know Him, it's not good news. Matter of fact, it's going to make for a pretty rough uh, three and a half to seven years, depending on where you fall on that doctrine. But it's a different thing when you live for God. That, and as we build our church, we have to be conscious of the, of, the, of, the, of the tension that's necessary to produce the right sound that then becomes attractive, that then gives people the opportunity to hear the Word of God, which will give the opportunity for the Word of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to convict somebody that they, in fact, need a Savior. And once they need a Savior, now we can tell them who the Savior is. They can say yes to Jesus, and they can get started on their track of living for God for the rest of their life and changing their entire family this is what we're about this is what we're going to do but it all comes down to how are you talking in your life is the word of God on your lips are you are you considering what God would think about how you talk here's one boy it's quiet in here have you considered what you're watching on television lately I'm not mad at TV. I like TV. But have you considered what you're putting in your ears? These are all things that will shift your life completely. It'll change every facet of your life. We're about to start this new fall and... Whether you're about to go to school or, or your kids are about to go to school or, or, or you don't have kids, you're not about to go to school, but you can just feel there's a shift in the seasons that we have going on. It's been going on for about six months in the spirit, but there's a major shift that's taking place right now. And as we launch into this fall season, I encourage you to get serious about changing your dialogue. No, if you can change the way you speak at work, you can see different results at work. We'll say, well, well, people are going to think I'm fake. So what? I had somebody uh, recently. They did something very nice. And they called me. They said, man, I was really worried that they thought I did that because I wanted something else. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. If you live your life that way, you'll never do something nice for somebody else because you'll be scared of what somebody else is going to think about it. No, if you want to be nice, you just be nice. You want, to, you want to bless somebody, you just bless somebody. You want to do something kind, you just do it. And they say, oh, they're just doing that because they're trying to make a show. In your heart, you know that's not why I did it. But if they want to think that, let them think that. Who cares what they think? You know, I'm only really, there's a song. I like it. It comes on the radio. And it, it talks about singing. Uh, uh, or it talks about living for an audience of one. You know, if you live your life like the only person that you really care, you know, in the grand picture, how they think about you, is the Lord of hosts, then all of a sudden what somebody else thinks about your intentions doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that we don't weigh our intentions because we weigh our intentions all the time. But what it does mean is that if somebody else wants to be just kind of bent about it, that we're just going to let them just be bent and we're just going to walk straight. How about that? We're not going to be moved by how somebody... You know what? They aren't, they're, they're so fake. I used to think that about a guy. Come help me on this keyboard. I'm almost done preaching, please. I used to, I used to know a guy. I thought he was fake as I'll get out. You can't be that nice. That's what I thought. You cannot be that nice. You can't be that nice. And I remember when I spent about three days unrestricted with him. And I got so convicted. Because he was exactly that nice. And I'd spent years, I was very young at this time, but I'd spent years thinking, no way, no way you're that pleasant. You can't be that kind. 
Well, did you know in God you really can be? You can speak blessings over your life and other people's lives. I'm going to give you three quick points and I'm going to close. Number one, how you speak establishes the culture of your home and your environment. There's so many powerful things when it comes to our words. But what's critical in our life is we literally establish the culture of our house. There's study after study out there that talk about uh, children that are talked down to and how it sets them behind in life. They don't do as well in school. They don't have self-confidence. They don't have any of these things. All because they're spoken down to. Because you, mom and dad, set the culture of your home. Grandma, grandpa, you set the culture of your home. Student, you set the culture of your environment. Don't you ever, listen to this preacher. Don't you ever call your child stupid. Don't you ever call them a name. Don't you ever call them a name, ever. Don't you ever call your child a name. What do I do when they're acting crazy? You say, that's not how you act. So you're saying I shouldn't discipline? No, exactly the opposite. You should discipline. They should know. And this house is how we act. But don't you speak down to your children. If you need to take a breath and you need to take a moment, you take a breath and you take a moment. But I've seen it too many times. I've got good friends of mine that are... They're, they're fighting things that I never had to fight because... When it came down to it, their mom or their dad said some stuff. Your words. Remember that old adage, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie from hell. The Bible says a rod and a staff will literally save your child. I know we live in 2015, so we got to whatever. But as for me in my house, there's a standard how we live. Just because I get upset, that doesn't, I don't, I, can't, I don't get to take my representation of God to my children hat off. I'm the representation of what a godly father is. So just because they mess up and make me mad, do something I told them not to do, that doesn't mean that I get to go, you're just so stupid, don't you ever say anything like that. Ever say anything like that? No, you grandkid, don't you ever do it? Matter of fact, you say something like this. You know, that, so here's a way, you just kind of some basics you know that's not how we behave you know that yeah but I said yeah that's not how we behave you don't have to always say it just like that sometimes you might need to be a little bit more firm that's fine but you, you, you fly off the handle let me tell you what they're going to do they're going to fly off the handle with their kids you call them stupid they're going to call their kids stupid you call them dumb they're going to call their kids dumb and did you know that if you call them that sooner or later they'll just believe it isn't that interesting? Number two, how you speak either encourages yourself and those around you or it discourages yourself and those around you. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. You're a leader. You're in Christ. You're the head and not the tail. You're a leader. So what you say is either encouraging you like King David did when he was by himself. He encouraged himself. Or you're discouraging yourself. Here's how you discourage yourself. <sighs> I just don't feel God. Now you know better than that. You know God's a friend that's just closer than a brother. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why don't you say what God says and not what you're thinking and feeling? 
I just hadn't felt God. I don't know. Why has this thing come upon me? What did I do to earn this problem? You didn't do nothing to earn this problem. He took all his problems, all the problems that you have, and he nailed them to a tree. You live in a cursed world where bad things happen to good people every day. Why don't you remind yourself that you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus and quit talking all this nonsense? It's just fundamental. Fundamental. Summer of protein, how to live the overcoming life. You can control your mouth. You can control your world. Number three, what you say and how you talk attracts more of the same. How many of you have that friend that, they, that I mean, they can't tell a story about going to McDonald's without having five reasons about how they messed up the French fries? <laughs> Could you believe it? I'm telling it's like they put that piece of lettuce on there on purpose. They can't, tell, they can't tell a story about going to McDonald's. The ice cream's too cold at Dairy Queen. Too sandy at the beach. The river's too wet. They always got a problem. Everybody just got a problem all the time. Well, how, how was your day? Oh, I had to go to Kroger. Well, what happened at Kroger? You know how it is. No, I don't, man. I like Kroger. They got a little Starbucks in there. Get me a little shot of coffee, walk the kids around, buy a little Hot Wheels toy for the kids. I love Kroger. Had to go to Walmart. Ugh. You think you're the only one had to deal with Walmart and the people thereof? Walmart just as well be another planet as far as I'm concerned. If you don't believe me, I grew up in a little bitty town that had the only Walmart within like 100 miles. And sometimes we'd have to go in there late at night. And man, there's, there, there's things you can see at Walmart late at night that you shouldn't see. It's just different. But sooner or later, that person will find them a friend that will roll in the mud and the muck and the mire with them. And then all of a sudden you got two people and all they want to do is get sad and whatever. And every time they go to a restaurant, the, the, the salad's too cold and the meat's too hot. And Look, I'm not saying we can't you know, have a problem every now and then. I'm just saying you're going to attract how you talk. I'd just rather be around people of faith. You want to get around me? I'm going to be around people of faith. Doesn't mean I don't witness to people. Doesn't mean I'm not doing all those wonderful things. I'm just telling you in my time and my conversation, I'm going to be around people of faith. No, I might have a problem that comes up and I need somebody to build me up. i tell you one of the best things, uh, again, about my wife, Crystal. This sermon, I guess, would just be called Crystal, the greatest human on the planet. But man, she, she's got no backup in her. You, you start talking about something and out of her mouth, she's going, whoa, God's going to deliver us. <laughs> Bless God, woman. The other day we were talking, I said, you know, we got this, we got that, we got, we got all these moving parts in our life like everybody does. And she goes, I got a feeling. Everything's going to be all right. Whoa, I got a feeling. I said, my wife, boy, I'll tell you what. Get around people like that and, and let me tell you what happened. That stuff will start rubbing off. Your culture and your family will change. I come out this morning, and, and little Trinity, she's singing, uh, Te amo, I love you. Which is a song about loving God in Spanish, I think. But she just, boom, and the, the whole culture, it's just a cultural thing. You know, they said, uh, sometimes I just ask my kids something like this. I, say, I said, does God make us sick? No! Oh, my goodness, no! I said, well, what's he do? He said, he heals us. 
That's because we've established the culture that I won't have it around my offspring. You want to talk about God doing something to you? I'm going to go, okie dokie, talk to you later. Me and the kids are gone. Then me and you can have a conversation. I'll open the scriptures and we can talk about doctrine. I'm happy to do it. But these ideas that God's a bad God, He's a gotcha God. No, 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 no. He who would not withhold His own Son, what would He withhold from you? Oh, it changes your whole life. How you speak, how you talk. What's coming out of your mouth. Big old horse. I can't stand the idea most of the time of riding a horse because they got these brains in their head and they can do anything. But my little girl, she just, oh, daddy, horses, horses, horses. Pet their tail, pet their whatever. And I'm sitting there going, man, that big sucker, you better, I'm telling you, horse, I got my eye on you. If you even step wrong with my little girl on your back, I got a problem with you. But that little bit, just put that little piece of metal in that horse's mouth, it'll just go anywhere. And you don't have to, whoom, if it's a good horse. You don't have to just jerk on it to move. You just kind of move your hand. Big old ship, I've been on some cruises. I love cruises. I encourage you to go on one. You got that big old ship, and they don't even have a steering wheel on them anymore. They got these little things, half the size of this microphone. They just go like this. Turns a whole ship. If you can control what comes out of your mouth, you can change your whole life. I had a lot more, but I'm just going to put it on hold. I encourage you, let's make a shift going into the fall. Let's just make a turn, you know. And you know, some of you, you may feel like, man, I've never even heard what you're talking about. Can I encourage you to get the podcast and listen to it again? And anytime you start feeling your, 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 your mind wanting to start talking normal, listen, get normal talk out of your mouth. We'll say just a couple more areas just because... Anything that even could almost be considered racist, get it out of your mouth. Anything that has doubt and fear associated with it, get it out of your mouth. Any idea that God's not going to show up and manifest, get it out of your mouth. In your finances, you know, I'll tell this one last story, then we'll close. In your finances... We don't speak God's Word just because we've experienced God's Word. We speak God's Word and then we will experience God's Word. There was a lady in 2 Kings and and God had blessed her with a son. Elisha had prayed for her and she had this son. And and the Bible said that son went out to work in the field with his daddy and he got too hot and and he, and he, he was carried back to his mama and he died in her arms. And the Bible says that that she uh, saddled up a donkey and she went riding to find the man of God because she needed to find somebody with faith. She needed to find somebody that was going to say the right thing, do the right thing, that was going to act like God acts. And she was riding that donkey as fast as she could go. And Elisha, the prophet, sees her coming from far away. And he says to her, he says to his servant, Gehazi, he's go out there and check on her. And Gehazi runs up. So what's, what's going on? Is everything okay with your husband? Is everything okay with your son? Is everything okay with you? And a lady said three words. It is well. Her son had just died. 
but her confession of faith. It is well. Our Bible says that we are to call things that are not as though they are. Abraham, before he even became Abraham, he was called Abram. And he was promised time and time again, I'm going to give you descendants like the sands of the desert, like the stars of the sky. You're going to have so many. And he got to be almost 100 years old. Still nothing. And God just keeps telling him, no, I've made you the father of many nations. Didn't say I'm going to make you. Said I've made you the father of many nations. You see, your current situation might not look like you wish your current situation would look. But if you would get your words in line with what God said, you can see what God can do. Amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. I'm done teaching. Matter of fact, let's all stand to our feet.